recording. So, I'm Joel. And I'm Harry, your co-host today. Co-host, Harry Hall. We've taken over the show. Uh, Jack's flown off to San Francisco or some other um, horrible place, which is much warmer than here. Um, Actually, San Francisco's on the West Coast, which, as everybody knows, is the best coast. I'm going there shortly. Yeah, I saw you were booking some flights. Can't disagree. Where are you going? Uh, Going to Whistler, going skiing for a week. Very nice. I'm gonna bring a whole one bag of clothes, one bag of board games. Yeah, a whole, you're yeah. just getting a whole Whistler, bag of board Whistler games. Has okay, life, so. so you're traveling to Vancouver. You've obviously got some friends that you're gonna meet there. You're bringing your girlfriend with you, is that right? Yep. So what do you bring? What do you select? Board games. Well, gotta bring scythe. Gotta bring separate That's a massive game. Gotta bring you bring two, these two pounds of metal coins. Gotta bring all the expansions. Oh my goodness. Uh, no, I probably will not bring many board games, if any. Huh. But that actually brings up a good question. Do you travel with board games? Always, yeah. We did a trip all the way through Europe last summer, and I brought board games with me the entire way. Do you bring small games, like card games? or? What's the thing is you, there's certain games that you can just fit into like one of those little magic boxes, you know, the, the $1 cardboard uh, rectangles. By, by magic, do you mean magic, like a box magic that, the Gathering? Yeah, a box that people usually put magic in. Right, the super popular best game of all time. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. You're a magic player yourself, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know that. <laughs> um, so spit out some names. Like what kind uh, of- So Splendor fits really okay. nicely because you can just take the coins, put them in a bag, throw in the cards on the side, and you're good. Obviously, DC deck building, uh, the second best deck builder behind it's Clank. Ooh, Clank. <laughs> or Clank in space. Or Clank in space. Uh, which, which brings us to a topic that we're going to be talking a little bit later, Clank in space nominated for best card game. Best card game, surprising. Because it's on a board. I guess the definitions are pretty loose, I guess. Not many board games in 2017. <laughs> yeah, there, there wasn't anything good. Uh, we have no idea who's going to win. Um, so yeah, look forward to that. Anyway, uh, Harry, what have you been playing lately? Been playing unlimited amounts of Gloomhaven. Way too much Gloomhaven. How much Gloomhaven? Uh, well, I played eight hours of Gloomhaven on Saturday. Eight hours, yeah. Eight hours straight, which was a lot. And at the end of the eight hours, it was 10, 15 p.m. or so, and we still wanted to play again. We were not tired of it. So how many sessions did you get through? We played through four scenarios and then a bunch of flavor text and and retiring characters and a lot of additional so do you think two hours is the average for any scenario or do you think you guys are getting quicker i think we're getting quicker but that's only because we have it all set up already and we keep it set up in the basement and so we just go downstairs we set up our assigned seats we have all of our characters set up okay not to put you on the spot because none of these people are listening anyway out of all the groups you play with what do you play with three or four groups three groups three groups uh, which one of them is the slowest? The slowest group? Well, it's it's got to be the Camus one that we play at work on Monday The nights. work one? Oh, yeah. Totally the work one. Did they just spend a lot of time thinking about it? Uh, spend a lot of time thinking about it. Maybe it's because we've been through a you know long day at work. Yeah, I'm you're tired. tired you're, just, you're just not all that into it or what? Uh, yeah, and I think newer to the game as well, for sure. So you've definitely been playing Gloomhaven. Have you been playing anything else well, <laughs> i know that we've all been playing a lot of gloom we played uh concordia a couple times it's a pretty exciting game not new but new yeah to me. we've definitely talked about concordia on the show before uh and described sort of how it's the sort of a blend between a whole bunch of different game styles what did you think of it i think it was uh very 
the scoring is very abstract. So the game itself is really fun and it's straightforward and the things that you do in the game you want to do. You're just you're expanding a trading empire through the Mediterranean and it's very self-explanatory. The only complaint I have about the game is that the scoring is a little it's a little abstract. It doesn't really have as much to do with the rest of the game and mm. there are no I feel like there are not any narrow specific strategies. I feel like there's so just one strategy you, which is to do well. Yeah, and you so I, tr- I I played a game with you recently where I tried to game the game, which is something that I love to do, right. especially in games like Viticulture where there's lots of options, and they're all good options, right? Sometimes there's there's options where you take the main focus of the game, like making wine, and you just throw it out the window, and you just do something completely different, and it works. And what you're saying is Concordia is not one of those games. Concordia is definitely not one of those games, as we found out yeah. when you lost. Just, yeah. <laughs> yes, I did get last place by quite a bit, I think. Um, not like quite a bit in regular games, but in Concordia, games are usually pretty tight because you've got the For sure. set multipliers and everybody usually gets about the same amount of cards unless they're really messing up. Yeah, so if, you, if you're not too familiar with Concordia, part of the game is you build a deck of cards that you get to play and at the end of the game each card has a different uh, roman god on the bottom and the god gives you points based on a certain aspect of the game so one god will give you a point for each city that you have developed um and i find what ends up happening is at the end at the end of the game you just have a range of all of the gods rather than your hand being all of one god where you've gone for a specific strategy it's more like you're kind of just going for all the gods all the time. So this may be a controversial question, Harry, but who's the best god? The best god is definitely Minerva. Minerva, yeah. yeah. Can't say no to Minerva. Um, I used to think it was Mars. Okay. Which is, Mars is the based on population, people, right? right? Yeah. Uh, but I don't actually think, you know, I spend a lot of resources on making all my people, and it does give me a lot of options later in the game. But aside from Mars, which, you know, you can go for or just ignore, um, having a lot of people isn't necessarily needed. I, I mean, I think having a lot of people is very helpful if you're trying to settle far areas of the map. Oh, yeah. Since the, the movement range you have is based on the number of people that you have. So, and... The problem I find is that if you want to make a lot of people, you need a lot of steel and you need a lot of uh, wheat. And I find it even even better to just play a Minerva-style strategy, which means that you're focusing heavily on... Trying to get one thing. Just trying to get one or two things. And if your two things are steel and wheat, you just end up with a lot of people and more points than if you had gone heavily in Mars. That's true. That's true. I never thought about that. But Do you even think... then, you still buy all the Mars cards because they're worth yeah. a lot of points. So. Do you think... In more advanced games, you might end up seeing people... Uh, you won't be able to get both of those because people will be prioritizing those cards. Like, I already feel that in our games, uh, when a Mars card comes up, you're watching it go down that line, and now it costs two silk, and now it costs silk and a thing, and you're just waiting for it to get to that beautiful spot where you're going to buy it. Yeah, I do think that there are, like, shallow strategies in, in that sense, that people are... I find generally one person goes for silk, which is the most valuable resource and and there's only really room for one person to be heavily into silk so in that sense there are kind of shallow strategies especially because minerva encourages you to focus on only one resource but with some of the other gods where you get points for having cities on each continent or each uh province um you just always want to have a city in each province regardless of what kind of shallow strategy you're pursuing yeah so in that sense i find the strategy is very 
similar from game to game? I think so. I think I think you've hit it on the head. It's basically, there's no you can't really divert from the um, set. Like basically, the cards dictate what you do. Sure. You're going to settle somewhere. Then you're going to get the goods from that place. Then you're going to go to the market and get what you really want. <laughs> and that market step, it would be wonderful if you could just buy and buy, right? right? Because you get two actions. You can either sell and sell or buy and buy or buy and sell or whatever order you want to do it. Now, obviously, that's why everybody goes for silk. Silk's worth a lot of money. You sell it all and then you buy, I don't know, tools, bricks, whatever. Yeah. And then once you've got that, then you've got the resources to start all over again. There's not really anything else involved except for maybe buying cards, and that's just conditional on what's up. Definitely. And, and the game, I think, also really encourages you to use all of your cards. So you have one of each. Each player starts with one of each of all of the actions in their hand. Yeah. And the game really encourages you to use all of your cards before you get them back again, which means that everyone is just doing all of the actions all the time. But it's not yeah. I mean, the game is still really good. I, I really enjoy it. And I think there is a lot of replayability because they introduce randomness in the setup of the game, which yeah. is really interesting. Yeah, it's cool. And I'd be interested to try uh, – I think I'd, I got to try Germania, which was kind of cool. All of a sudden, where boats are really amazing in the first one, they're pretty bad in the second one because uh, you can only travel along narrow rivers. Oh, I see. And then um, they counteract that with saying that every boat is worth two movements instead of one. Okay, that's interesting. So if you buy boats, you can move your people further. Um, and basically, uh, there's way more movement, but there's a lot more area to move into. Yeah. Another interesting fact on Germania is they have these towers everywhere. And basically, if you're if you're bordering the tower at the end, there will be a set good, just a single good in the tower. And you just get that, and then it's gone for the rest of the game. So it also encourages rapid expansion, just kind of rushing out to take all these things. Okay. And it means that if you rapidly expand, you get to di- diversify into your goods. Yeah, exactly. You can you have a way of getting silk if you don't have any silk cities. And... Exactly, and that also allows you, because, you know, basically every time you go to the market, if you're selling something, you can basically pick one thing, and that's what you're going to expand to next because you can build those. That's Whereas when there's random goods all over the place, all of a sudden you have what you need to build. And, in fact, a couple of times I've been bordering a tower and the place, which was the same good, so you can literally pick up that good and then spend it because you, you collect before you right. actually do the settling. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. So get, definitely give that a try. What would you give Concordia out of uh, whatever you want to rate it? Let's say I'll give it uh, four out of five wines. Ooh, that's nice. Although maybe in Germany it would be half of Eisen's or some <laughs> kind of abstract beer. Um, I've been playing... A lot of con- a lot of Concordia and a lot of Gloomhaven as well, uh, but I played a game of Splendor last night, and it was not fun. Oh really? <laughs> I uh, it's been a while. I kind of forgot what I was doing, and I came home. I was already pretty tired. I actually saw Black Panther, which was pretty good, and uh, came in and Mark really wanted to play a game. It was like ten thirty at night. I was ready to go to bed. I was like, sure pick up uh splendor and yeah if you it's it's just one of those games where um it's an engine builder 100 percent, it's an engine builder resource management game and if you get going it snowballs right 
But if you don't get started, you're just stuck. (laughs) Yeah. And it's also kind of sometimes what you can buy is a color that's not really needed. So I could buy a whole bunch of uh, black uh, diamond things. Not use them for anything. There was nothing that needed black. So meanwhile, green was... Anyway, Splendor, mm, what do you think? Splendor overall? I mean, I've only played it once and I got demolished. You've only played once? Yeah, and it was because I tried to game the game. By, uh, you can <laughs> you, you can reserve. You tried to gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can reserve to get extremely common first but... game strategy is <laughs> yeah. to gold things. I was like, oh, this seems so good, and then did not go particularly well. That's another maybe weakness of Splendor. Even though the concept is basically perfect, and like it, it feels like kind of a game that's timeless in a way that like maybe um, Scrabble is timeless in that it's just a word game, and this is just a game that seems like it should have just existed forever. Um, but one of the weaknesses, I think, is you get these options. You can take two of the same or, like you say, take one and reserve a card. But if you're not just taking three of different colors every time, you're falling yeah. behind. The strategies are definitely not equal. Or the actions you can do on your turn are definitely not equal. Yeah. Um, and I don't think there's a situation in which you should ever reserve a card, really. Yeah, unless... Um, which happened to me last night. Basically, I could see that I was going to lose uh, if I didn't reserve a card because he had what he needed for it. So I bought it, and then another card came up, which was the same requirements almost. So he just bought that one instead. So That's rough. Sometimes, yeah, you, you do those kind of defensive plays, and it doesn't get you anywhere. So you, you mentioned that you watched Black Panther. Yeah, Black Panther um, saw it last night. Definitely, uh, it's a decent movie. You line it up against the other Marvel movies, you're kind of like, well, this is pretty different. Um, it's more of like a, a story of a of a group and sort of like trying to tell the story of the yeah. entire uh, nation instead of just an individual character, which normally is. It's definitely about a setting, for sure. Yep. And I feel like they're story- telling a story about the setting because in the next movie, a lot of the action will take place in Wakanda. Is that based, so? Based on the trailer. So the trailer you're talking about Infinity War, Infinity is War, called? yeah. It looks like the scenes happen in either New York or Wakanda. Okay. Fifty-fifty. So Wakanda is going to be sort of the front line of defense because now they've. Oh, should we? Spoilers alert! Stop listening if you don't want to know about Black Panther. Now they've revealed themselves as a nation to the world. Yeah. And uh, maybe they're like. If you compare them up against New York, maybe they're actually the top dogs now, yeah, as far or, as or the representatives of sure. Earth. Yeah, yeah. So if you're gonna, so if you're gonna invade Earth, you want to invade sort of. Yeah, I mean I they, know, they are Fort definitely Knox. the most uh, technologically advanced. Nation, yeah, yeah, is, that's true. Except which, for Tony Stark's apartment, I suppose. I always thought the vibranium, 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 yeah. vibranium was was just really hard. I, maybe it vibrates. <laughs> well, hey, there's something. Apparently, it's a power source. Yeah, it's anything. Uh, you can drink it, which I really want to know how that works. You can drink it. There's a well. That's what. That's how Black Panther gets his powers. Right? He, oh yeah. He consumes um, the core of a flower, which grows in the vibranium. Oh okay. You, did you watch the same movie? <laughs> I did watch the same. Because then he makes uh, Warmonger, who's fantastic, by the way. Michael B. B. Jordan, we were just talking about before. I love Michael Jordan. Was amazing. Was it just me, or 
were you rooting for him <laughs> as he's coming in? Like, I think that's where the movie really gets you, right? Yeah. Because it, 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 he is portraying a perspective which is the antagonist, especially in the last half of the movie, but he's also portraying a character that's really relatable, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, even when he's challenging for the throne, you know, I wanted him to win. I wanted him to take the throne. I felt like even before, obviously, they had to like come out with a thing like, okay, he's he's he just wants to arm everybody and for start sure. a big war. Uh, and that felt like they were basically just throwing away all his credibility at that point. Because up until that point, when he's challenging for the throne and everything, he's like, this guy has really good ideas. He's not going to be all defensive. Yeah, definitely. And it's kind of sad because they built up a actually a, a really complex character. I think a character that's way more complex than T'Chaka, yep. the, the Black Panther, or the King of Wakanda. Um, and it's really unfortunate that, spoiler alert, unfortunately... Warmonger Why do they dies. always have to kill the villain? Every Marvel <laughs> Especially movie. Especially a good villain. <laughs> he was incredible. He could have been redeemed. Forget about Bucky. Have sure. you, you know Captain America yep. and all that? So another spoiler, it uh, looks like Bucky's cured. Um, stick around to the end of the trailers and all of a sudden he comes out of a hut and he feels much better. But yeah, overall, good movie. Yep. You can definitely tell that they're setting up for um, both the Avengers and also just to introduce the Black Panther character into the universe generally. Yeah, it was a... Which is always the case. Which is funny because it's an origin movie. Yeah. Which came after exactly. he was introduced because he came right. in on exactly, the Avengers. Yeah. I mean, the same is true for uh, Spider-Man's origin movie. Right, true, yeah. Or they the, they the really newest threw Spider-Man them in origin teasers. Uh, I thought it was really funny. I don't know if you watched the same thing, but they had like a, uh, a featurette on Avengers before the theater, before the movie started in the theater. And somebody, I think it was, um, who's the guy that plays the Hulk? Oh, um the guy yeah bruce yeah. banner anyway yeah, yeah. his character um said he calculated it and if everybody gets three minutes of screen time the movie will be three hours long <laughs> <laughs> so three minutes of individual screen time generally i would say that movies that feature a lot of characters and try to make them all relatable are bad but they did a fairly good job in uh, civil war when you say I've never seen it, so uh, can't say one or the other. Well, Harry doesn't care. <laughs> I'll give Black Panther um, seven out of nine shiny, spiky teeth. Oh, well done. How about you? Yeah, I think I would agree. Maybe seven and a half out of nine. Wow. Yeah. It's yeah. A good movie. Yeah, it was good, and uh, it was it's different. I was I go to a Marvel movie, and I'm like, this time they're really gonna mess it up, but. I haven't. I can't think of a single one where I've been like this was terrible. Some of them I'm. I don't really identify with. But. I mean, lately I think that they've taken a lot more risks because you know they're built on a really strong and popular IP. People are going to come see their movies anyway. Absolutely. But the l- latest movies, like the latest Thor movie, was super adventurous. A yeah. Lot more comedic. They hired a New Zealand director who's known for comedies. Yeah. Um, and the movie was just very different. And great. I don't know what, it, what really you thought good, of yeah. Ragnarok, but I thought it was great. fantastic movie. And the same is probably true for Black Panther as well, you know. Just yeah. really different art direction, really different tone, really different story even from some of the other heroes, but just good in general. It was really good. All right, with that, we're going to take a quick break as long as I can remember how to get the mouse back. All right, here we go. And uh, we're going to listen to some music, and then we'll be right back. Stay tuned.
that was tame impala the less i know the better pretty good uh sort of they're a bit like mgmt they're just kind of this weird electronic um they never make like a straight up song i can't ever understand what they say but i like it this is now a music show yeah 
Um, we were going to, uh, by the way, welcome back, obviously, to CFRU <laughs> 93.3FM. This is uh, uh, Guelph, Ontario, as far as I know. We've got a guest Harry who's just losing it here. Uh, Harry, you wanted to say something about Clank. Uh, you yeah, had some so thoughts. I, I thought that after the break we would talk a little bit about uh, Clank because um, Board Game Geek, a well-known board gaming website, has come out with nominations for uh, various board game awards for games in 2017. And among the list of games in the card game category is Clank in Space, uh, which is a dungeon game in which you, you move around and you collect items, um, but it has a strong deck building aspect, which yep. is kind of the card basis. Uh, and earlier in the show, we were talking a little bit about Concordia and how Concordia doesn't necessarily have uh, a diverse strategy set. There's just kind of a right thing to do. There's just kind of a right thing to do, and I find that is especially true for Clank. I own Clank, and I actually kind of like the game. I think it's a really good light game to play with friends, and it's quite quick. Um, but when you're deck building, you can't really build your deck towards a specific objective, I found. You just kind of buy good cards. And I also feel like... You need everything. And you need a little bit of everything, right? You can't really build a deck without any movement or any combat. It's quite difficult. Or without any uh, power production, money production? Right, without any purchasing power. Purchasing, yeah. Sure. And I think that's, it's funny because um, kind of strategy diversification and, and building your deck towards one specific strategy is, you know, it's definitely a hallmark of deck builders. It's probably the most common... Yeah, theme and deck builders. It's sort of uh, choose your path, and I think the, the first things that come to mind when it comes to deck builders are you can go for purge, you can go for power, you can go for victory points, you can go for card draw, or you can go to maybe attack your opponents. Yeah, combat especially. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, have you you've played uh, what's the space one with the four colors? There's like blobs. Oh yeah, race for the galaxy. No, no, no. Deck builder. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You mean uh, galaxy quest? Uh, no, no, no. You, I think you gave it to me for Christmas actually. Yeah, and you already owned it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Star uh, Realms. Star Realms. Star I love, Realms. Love Star Realms. Fantastic. And it just it basically just isolates that, and it says, okay, if you want to go green, you're just trying to clobber somebody. Right. If you're going red, you're going for purge. If you're going... Um, blue is like healing. Blue is like a very defense. slow, like I'm going to try to choke you out eventually. Yeah. And then what is yellow? Yellow is draw and make your opponent not draw or discard. Exactly, yeah, yeah, draw and yeah. discard. So it's, it's hand control. Uh, and obviously you play magic, so you know all about these things uh, yeah, as far as sure. choice goes. And in Star Realms, they make it really explicit. Yep. Right? And... I guess my biggest complaint about Clank is they, they don't really have that exact mechanic, which I feel like would add a lot of complexity and variability to the game. The yep. game kind of plays out the same way every time you, time you play it. Yeah. And if they had more variety in cards and card strategies, I feel like that would be really engaging. Yeah, I feel like maybe they need to isolate their cards into uh, this card only does this. Because you always see these cards, they just do a little bit of everything. Right, yeah, yeah. And that, that definitely applies, you know, having played a lot of Magic. When when you have a card whose base um, payoff is, is high enough, you're going to take it, even if you don't get uh, an advantage for being in a specific strategy, mm-hmm. because the card is just good enough. Reminds me of Hearthstone. There's like a Chillwind Yeti, and it's just a 4-5. It does nothing, but it's a 4-5. For, just for four, everybody wants it. 
Yeah, and and I was particularly disappointed to see that uh, they released an expansion for Clank, which is also listed, I think, in the Board Game Geek nominations for uh, expansions. Um, and in the expansion, they did not add very much card diversification at all. Sunken treasures. They've just Here added. They've added new maps, which I, I don't really think the game needed. Hmm. Um, and they've added new, basically all of all new components that came with the base game anyway. So I can remember one way in which I once gamed the game as far as Clank goes, and that was when I bought that alchemist, I guess, and he just gives you an extra two points for every tome you buy. You remember that? And yeah. When you taught sure. me the game. And so I ended up just sitting in one place and buying tomes until I died and ended up winning the game. But in Clank in Space, they actually mitigate that by saying that you need to go to the next place and back. Otherwise, you're not you're not uh, eligible. Right. And Whereas it, I just stayed above ground. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you need to get an artifact and then come back. In order to in order, in order to score points at the end, okay. but you're right that it is in that case like that is kind of a strategy you can go for, but it's a two card strategy or really it's just a one card strategy. And you have to get lucky. And you have to still buy the have the that guy come up and you're the one that buys it. Yeah, yeah. Which isn't really a strategy; it's just something that random that came up for sure. Um, and it's a lot more fun, or or it can be really fun to have a deck where you know fifty percent of the cards in your deck are going towards a specific strategy. Um, okay, so. So Clank drives you towards a certain thing, and that's a downside for us. We don't like that. Uh, Same thing with Concordia. Even though we do love the game, uh, we don't like that there's not much choice. What other games can you think of where it's sort of, this is what you're going to do, and you're just going to try to do it better than everybody else? Um... Agricola, maybe? I don't know. There's there's a lot of worker placements out there where there's definitely like a destination in mind. That's true. Um, but a lot of those usually open up uh, a lot of options. I feel like it's based partly on scoring, like really diverse scoring methods at the end of the game. Yeah. Um, maybe like a good example of the opposite would be... Uh, I think uh, Feast for Odin. Feast for Odin, yeah. Feast which for is Odin, which so has much too many. choice. Yeah, Fe- Feast for Odin, I, I think, has the very opposite And you didn't complaint. really like Feast for Odin, right? There's just too many. It is. It's overwhelming. It is like an Uwe Rosenberg game to the max. There are way too many options. But it's basically like the god of worker placements in that it's just like nothing will ever top this as far as, Honestly, as, far as intensity goes. As far as intensity, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I think there's something to be said for a little more simplicity. <laughs> Because Feast Ronin is almost impossible to understand when you play. Yeah, because, like, for those of you that don't know, I know we've talked about Feast Ronin briefly before. Maybe you missed that episode. I know that you religiously listen to every every episode that we (laughs) air, but um, Feast Ronin is basically this massive worker placement where you've got sort of the things that you can do normally as a worker placement, and it could be a whole game in itself, on the left side of a board and then they're going to escalate that all the way along this board where you have an option to place two workers, three yeah. workers, four workers. So and maybe and they they're not even just additive, they are actually different. Yeah. Which makes it really complicated. There's maybe like 25 different actions you could take on your turn. Yeah. And which 
when there's that many exclusive options for you to take on your turn, I definitely get overwhelmed. Yeah, and which this what we've just described would be like the most intense worker placement ever, except that that's just a small part of the game because on top of that, every time you gain resources, you then need to take those resources and play another game, which is tile placement. For sure. I mean, I think uh, a game like Caverna does it really well where in Caverna you furnish rooms and the rooms just give you points for pursuing specific strategies. Like a, a room will give you a point for each coal that you have, let's like say. gems and coal and that exactly, kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I like Caverna. One of my and this is my perfect opportunity. Jack's finally gone. I get the chance to crap on Caverna. No, uh, one of the things I hate about Caverna is the adventuring. And I know that it, it's a really strong strategy and it's really good, but I think it's just way too good because here are all these spots you can go to, and they all let you do a thing, or you can adventure and do any of them. And like six times. For sure. Adventuring, I think, is one of the least Euro kind of mechanics of, of any of these games that we've talked about. Because in a, you know in, in these games, you don't necessarily have to interact with each other. You're fighting for action spaces, but you're not com- competing with each other directly. Yep. Um, but adventuring in Caverna really forces you to match your opponents. So if your opponents are adventuring and they're getting really heavy into adventuring, you have to as well. Otherwise, they'll just run away with the game. Yeah, because if you're not taking that slot, all of a sudden they're getting... What happens when you're level 13? You get like 13 actions or something? Or, and maybe I'm... Maybe <laughs> I'm I think, I think no, no, it's the, it's the spot you go to, right? Yeah. Where it's like adventure four times. And if you're level 13, you can just take four cows or something. Exactly, yeah. You, you get the highest uh, reward, which could be like four cows or furnish four rooms, or yeah. you could do a variety of things. I would like to see Caverna with no adventuring. Yeah, it's I think, a good game. I think it would be a better Agricola. A better Agricola? No, there's nothing better than Agricola. Um, I I still rate Agricola, even though I haven't played it in maybe a year and a half. I still rate it as my second favorite game. Oh wow! And your favorite is uh, DC deck building. Wow! And yeah. how long has it been since you played DC deck building? I actually play it all the time. Oh, really? Yeah, you don't see it, but like usually it's like, oh, we go to a coffee shop with Sam. Like when I went to visit her in Winnipeg, we usually play two games. Uh, we don't always play the same one. The second one is by far the best one. Uh, we've been working on crossover packs with fourth version. It's really good. Cool. Um, which is basically just magic light, I think. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the big downside of Magic is that it takes preparation, right? And yeah. that's kind of the beauty of DC and other deck builders like that, where you purchase it and you just you get to play and you build decks and you play with them. And yeah, and they've eliminated the need for mana or anything, so it's kind of just this um, see see how you do mm-hmm. kind of that's thing. Right. Really consistent. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but you mentioned uh, when you were started talking about Clank because you don't agree with Sunken Treasures being maybe there just weren't that many expansions. I feel like that's a that's a tough category to nominate enough people for or enough things for. And honestly, if I'm looking at this list, uh, which I am, uh, I would say that these categories are are pretty uh, cluttered right now. I mean, just to have like 12 nominees for every every section, like where, how do you stand out? And I mean, the definitions are a little loose and they're loose enough that Gloomhaven, a game which we talk about tons, is in maybe six categories. <laughs> yeah, which I think when I first posted, we have a we have a board game chat at work. First, when I posted, I said, here's a list of things that are going to lose to Gloomhaven. 
And it's a lot of categories. Which is pretty much, I think it's got to be true. I mean, Gloomhaven right now is the number one game of all time on BoardGameGeek. Obviously, that's attributed to something we've already talked about, which is the cult of the new. For sure. Gloomhaven is new. It's very hot right now. It's also hard to acquire. Yeah. And I feel like that drives its popularity. Yeah, when something's sold out, um, it it definitely (laughs) all of a sudden everybody wants it. Yeah. Just the fact that it's not available, you know, it's so enticing. It's funny because it's not necessarily a conventional board game. You know, for sure, it's a legacy game, but it's also, you know, got heavy D&D elements. It's not really the same as a lot of other popular board games or board games that are played in the same space. But I think that speaks to how engaging the game is because so many people are getting involved with Gloomhaven. Yeah. I also think it's kind of the milieu of the time. Like, uh, you... I know have been sort of into RPGs for a while. Uh, for me, it's really new to me. And I think adventure RPGs kind of got popularized by shows like um, Community and things like that. People started to see people playing uh, D&D and started to look at it in a different light. Right, definitely. I mean, it's definitely, a, you know, kind of plays into the new... Uh, popularity of like kind of nerdiness or, or nerd culture. For yeah, sure. absolutely. Which is like RPGs sort of uh, seen as the nerdiest of the nerdy uh, for those of you that like think about, okay, well, you're just going to use your imagination to play a game without any board. Like, That's the best way to do it. Yeah. And I think, um, I think what Gloomhaven is, is it takes that and it makes it much more accessible. Definitely. For but sure. But also in itself is a brilliant board game. And it's funny, you know, it, it appeals to board gamers and it also appeals to people who play a lot of RPGs like tabletop role-playing games uh, like myself because it makes it more accessible and it cuts out a lot of the parts of Dungeons & Dragons or other RPGs that are not actually that enjoyable. Just a lot of the work of preparing for sessions and yeah, even, because even you have to get one person to play the Dungeon Master. Everything's, a, everything's set, right, is basically what you're yeah, saying. exactly. Now, how do you feel, because I know that uh, there are groups have employed different strategies here, about that problem in that nobody's the DM, so somebody needs to know what's going to happen? I mean, I, I think technology is definitely the answer. That's something that we've been investigating a little bit but haven't gotten too heavily into, but there are a ton of apps that are in development or out right now that help you manage um, all of the automated or kind of dungeon master aspects of Gloomhaven. Yeah, which on one side is a testament to how huge this game is that people are just spending all this time developing apps for it. But also, what is a helper app for those people that don't know? So in Gloomhaven's case, uh, there's a lot of work to be done in the game where you have to flip cards and all of the monsters that you fight as a party are all automated. And so they, they take their actions, they take a random action every turn, and then what they do is determined by the rulebook. So there's no dungeon master that has to decide what they do. The problem is that when you're setting up the scenario at the start and during the scenario, you have to, as the players, do the card flipping and do all of the monster movement. A helper app, in this case, would help you set up the map and it does all of the monster randomness for you. So that you just essentially are players and you're playing against a computer. Yeah, which I think is the way that they've set up the cards and basically... They had to come up with some way where you could lose, basically. And the way that they've built these action cards, I think, is brilliant. Just the way that you can... uh, Basically, you have all these options, um, and you can do something mediocre for a disco world. Sometimes mediocre. Sometimes it's actually pretty good. Uh, And then you can do something amazing, or it better be amazing, to throw the card away. 
And uh, basically, when you're throwing a card away, you are moving yourself towards losing the game. Yeah, you have limited number of cards. But, so, logically, okay, now, I've heard this from the outside perspective. I say, okay, well, you're an idiot to throw a card away. You should just always discard your cards. Right? Well, the game really incentivizes you to lose cards because experience is such a big part of character advancement. Where if you're playing a campaign through multiple scenarios, you really want that experience. And a lot of the lose cards give like outrageous experience gains compared to a lot of the discard cards. Absolutely. And not only that, but there's sort of this ebb and flow of uh, you're facing seven or eight enemies and you're just doing a single attack or something. All of a sudden, you're going to be losing those cards anyway because they're going to be attacking you. And Definitely. there's this functionality in Gloomhaven where you can discard a card instead of taking damage. And if you're going to take fatal damage, you might as well always do it, right? Always take fatal damage? <laughs> always <laughs> take the alternative and sort of slow your game down a little bit. So basically what I, what I discovered, uh, especially that Inox encampment, you, know, you remember yep. that, uh, is that if you play slowly, you'll lose your cards anyway. Right, yeah, yeah. You definitely have to find a middle ground. And the middle ground gives you the most rewards and also ensures you don't lose. Yeah. So you just got to be smart. Definitely. Just just be smart. Yeah. Now you recently um again, spoiler alert, we'll try to keep it on the on the low down, but if you're following Gloomhaven and you're in a campaign, uh I wouldn't say you need to tune out, but we are going to talk about some of the developments because this is a legacy game. If you know anything about legacy games, there's always all these envelopes which are sealed and they just like to tease you with Ah, you can't look at me yet. You can't open me yet. You can't read me yet. Uh, just put that away and don't think about it or think about it all the time because that's what ends up happening. And then, bam, you get to a certain point in the game, you're rewarded when you get to open up the town records. And yeah, we just got rewarded. Yeah, which it actually wasn't the first time for you. Somebody really, really rushed to making a new character in one of your... Well, that was after or... playing eight hours or so. Yeah, we, we, we got to that point, And I think that was probably why, even after playing eight hours of the game, we still wanted to play more. is yeah. because the game, by retiring characters, really introduces new mechanics and it introduces new gameplay to you gradually. Yeah. So that by the time you are starting to get quite comfortable with how your party is set up and how the game plays out, then it starts, it just throws a wrench in. Yeah. introduces a new character it forces you to retire you have no choice and these new characters uh this one that you saw basically you looked at your character and you said no thanks right yeah so what happens is uh you have a personal quest and when you complete your personal quest you retire and when you retire you unlock a new character to play so how does um, that work thematically do you think i think it is just retirement you know you you your character has a has a you know personal goal I mean, yeah. it's pretty simplistic, but if you think You're about it, tired. Like, uh, it's like The Sims, you know, if you have a personal personal goal and you complete it and then your character just like goes and lives in a cottage somewhere by okay, a lake. Okay, so you know? finish the story for your stone man. So you've got this stone man. What's what's the race called? Uh, the Craigheart. Oh, the, ra the race is a Savas. The Savas. Yeah. And the Savas are a really interesting race um, made out of rocks. A bit yeah, like that character in Thor Ragnarok, who basically was the funniest part of the whole. So I was playing uh, this rock person. Yeah. And uh, I finished my personal quest and I retired. And um, as part of my retirement, I unlocked a newer character to play, which was a also a rock person. but um, A new one? Do you think it's the same person? 
He's just gone away for a while and come back upgraded. Could be his cousin. His cousin, yeah. So what what do you think happened to your rock man? Um probably working in the mines somewhere yeah. and manual labor <laughs> he becomes incredibly famous and strong and just yeah you know just being a mercenary is dangerous work. work maybe they have really safe mines in gloomhaven yeah maybe it's like that's the job you know that you've been working up towards but i uh so anyway i retired my character and i i opened this new character box um and, and you have a choice when you retire of whether to play the new character that you just opened or another one that you've already unlocked. And I, I opened it and I looked at the cards. Way too complex. Not into it. Right. So we opened one at the uh, two at the same time is basically what you're saying. And one of them was just like when you look at a card and the card has basically just yeah, every card was feast three paragraphs. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, mm, you know what? I mean, I could see that. I could see. If I think if our party composition were a little bit different, I think I would play the class. Yeah. Another downside, I think, for me when I was looking at those cards, because the complexity is is what it is, you're probably going to have a way to do those things. Uh, what really got me was that without all the conditional uh, abilities, like basically just without giving too much away, you need to spend a certain type of magic in order to enhance your Yeah, like elemental uh, infusions. Um, basically without those special mods where you've set yourself up and now you're able to do it, which obviously that not only do you need to set that up, but you're also thinking about what's in the game. So obviously now you're maybe not doing what's optimal in the game because you're trying to set that up for sure. But without those, the ability cards as a, as a core ability were really bad. Terrible. Yeah. Like they're all like attack one yeah. or move one. But then if you spend, they're obviously really good. They end up being all very, they're not just all situational. It's that they're, they're all, if you've planned ahead of time, they're all very powerful and they do very specific situational things, depending on what kind of element you can consume. Yeah. But, uh, it requires a lot of even multi-turn planning. Do you think it would be possible to, build a team now that we know a lot about the characters to build a team that's very strong as far as building elements yeah i think so i mean i think that becomes even easier as you retire characters for yeah. sure um, because all of a sudden you can think okay well what creates a lot of elements and, yeah definitely which I, I i know we say a lot of good things about gloomhaven but there's here's another thing that i just just came to me and it's just fantastic is that every character even though it's designed to do a certain thing can definitely do at least two things really well. Yeah, but the party composition, as far as elements, you you could do a little more playing around with. But car- party composition generally is really flexible. Yeah. You don't you don't need to have like a tank. Yeah, and say. for example, the brute in itself. What are the two ways you can play the brute? I mean, the brute is the least flexible character, and you can still play it as a um, kind of close up. Uh, tank that that takes and reflects damage or you can play it as a very mobile melee damage dealer yeah it can basically just uh, be insane dps if you guys know damage per second which doesn't translate at all into a uh, into a board game where you're turn based but uh, insane amount of damage per turn dpt dpt is dpt something else probably it's not going for anything um or you can just sit there and basically anybody that punches you 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 respond with big retaliates yeah. and also you have tons of shield. Yeah. And all the classes, I mean, that's probably the least, um, the class with the, the fewest 
options yeah, in, in that they're both melee. Yeah, for example, maybe Spellweaver. It seems really tough, and I think you've kind of figured it out a little bit, but other people are struggling where there seems to be like four good ways to play it. Yeah, Spellweaver is uh, really interesting. Really different class from yeah. the others. That's for and sure. then for me, I'm really excited because I'm not going to give too much away about what Harry unlocked and chose to play, but there's definitely a lot of support involved, a lot of healing involved. Um, might start with a P, we'll say, um, but... Um, uh, it's a, it's a very holy character, <laughs> and it's going to basically do my job for me, which is my job in the in the party has been heal, and that's the thing about the tinker. Very much, you can play sort of a pure healer. You can play a mix, which is what I've been doing, or you can just forget about the healing cards. And there's still enough cards available for you to choose where you can just be like, you know what, I'm just going to make things and kill things. And I think that's true of most characters, which is really nice because when you do retire your character, you pick up a new character, and you might be taking a role that is already filled by someone else in your party. Well, they have the option to switch kind of to a to another to fill a role that you were previously occupying. Yeah, and or... you don't need to do what they did, basically, exactly, is what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, Gloomhaven is great. All right, let's talk a little bit about these nominees. I know that we don't know a ton about all of them, but let's just go over them quickly. Um, board game of the year. Do you think there's any chance any of these are going to beat Gloomhaven? People love Pandemic Legacy. That's true. Pandag- they were saying that Season 2 is even better than 1. Yeah. Not everybody says that. The only... Uh only problem with pandemic legacy is that people haven't had enough time to play it yeah that's right they've been too busy playing gloomhaven which is the game of the year (laughs) i was gonna say it's been out for a while (laughs) i didn't want to call you out but uh yeah i mean gloomhaven has overshadowed everything this year if there's a standout game definitely yeah azul heard good things about yeah me too uh, we. The, here's the thing: is there's a lot of these games we just haven't played, and we've we've heard, we've talked about them, we've discussed them. They look interesting, but we can't really say, you know what? I think this could beat Gloomhaven because yeah, we haven't and, been there. And, and I think it's kind of just part of the board game industry or board game culture is that it's very difficult to play new games as soon as they come out. You yeah. know, like we have limited budgets and limited time to be able to buy and play board games, and usually there is there are board games that become really popular by word of mouth or by marketing and they are the big sellers of the year. And for sure that's Gloomhaven. Yep. And, and just being popular in itself just means a lot of people play you. And when you get played by a lot of people, you get a lot of votes. Yep. Uh, so yeah, some of these games out here might take a little more time to permeate into our minds. Um, it reminds me though, before we go on to the, the next section, um, that, this is basically Jack's strength is Jack will do a ton of research and he'll, he'll basically, he has forums that he trusts and he goes on them religiously and he participates in them and he will buy games sight unseen based off of recommendations. Whereas me, I will never buy a game I haven't played. What about you? Yeah. I buy very few games that I haven't played. Usually I buy them off of recommendations from people that I know yeah. Like I actually know their their person, you know, like Yeah, like you've played games you with them. They can tell you that it's similar. That exactly. Kind of yeah. yeah. Which I mean, I've always I've always valued game cafes based off of that is that there's this library of choices you can make and it might lead you into a game that you'll love down the For road. For sure. And it definitely gives you the opportunity to play a lot of games that you don't own. Yeah. I mean, I don't actually own very many board games, but to be able to go to a cafe and have access to 
you know, 100 plus games. It's yeah. pretty exciting. And there's some games you just don't want to play all that much, but but you're happy that they're there. Exactly. Like Betrayal at the House on the Hill. <laughs> well, uh, you know, once you've played it uh, That's a whole other eight times, you know, you've played them all. No. Uh, there's a big expansion to Betrayal. Actually, Betrayal... Um, some news, which I, I ought to give cre- Jack credit to. I wouldn't know this without him. Um, there is going to be a legacy betrayal. Oh, really? Yep. That's very interesting. Which is literally all I know about it. So don't ask me any questions. Yeah. Legacy <laughs> games, by the way, something that we haven't uh, talked about today, but uh, we've kind of edged around by talking about yep. Gloomhaven legacy games in the past year and probably in 2018. Huge. So hot right now. Yeah. <laughs> so hot right now. <laughs> Um, yeah, and it looks like uh, just kind of seeing the previews and what's coming out, and maybe you'll you'll know more when you go to this uh, convention, which we can talk about, um, is that they're going to be even bigger in 2018. Oh, yeah, for sure. I will be attending uh, Gen Con in Indianapolis in August, which is a huge role-playing game and board gaming convention. Uh, last year, I think about 6,500 people attended, which is really big for a convention and yep. uh going to be looking at a lot of board games going to be doing some investigation might even bring back a convention report yeah this should be should be good we'll, we'll we'll call you in on the this is harry on the scene uh <laughs> tell us what you see harry oh thanks <laughs> well, there's a lot of dice around <laughs> <laughs> behind me you can hear the uh infinitely long sound of i lost my train someone's angrily yelling about things being unfair yeah yeah um yeah you always get all all types at a board game convention for sure and we'll uh we'll see how it goes yeah i'm a little bit jealous that i'm not going i'm really excited to look at uh, a lot of new offerings from a lot of publishers for sure yeah and that's the thing is conventions are sort of where you get yourself exposed if you if you're if you're a good developer but you haven't had much uh success sort of getting your name out there a lot of things actually get started in conventions yeah gen con is the number one convention for a lot of new games um, yep. Gloomhaven being a great example. Gloomhaven, I think, uh, had a first printing and then was brought to Gen Con. And was a lot it of demoed there? It. Yeah, it was demoed at Gen Con. And I think that's where a lot of buzz came from. Wow, yeah, that makes sense. Um, let's let's take a look at, uh, we got a, about a minute left. Uh, let's take a look at, uh, it's an exaggeration, uh, two-player games. Codenames Duet really stands out. Codenames is just a great game. Yeah, Codenames, uh, I played a little Codenames Disney Oh really? It was easy, but it um, princess themed, designed for kids, obviously. But still, that's perfect for you. Some challenge when you're trying to. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm pretty Cabrera sure. Cave vs. Cave also. Yeah, too I was going to say Kayla and Jack would definitely say Cave vs. Cave is going to take this one. So let's call it uh, game of the year. It's going to be Gloomhaven. You agree? Oh yeah, certainly. Two player game, probably Cave vs. Cave. Uh, how about artwork? Who knows? Yeah. It's a throwaway. I've never seen artwork before. Card game of the year, obviously, Clank in Space, <laughs> the board game um, that uh, has some cards. So I guess it's... Actually, I've, I I would maybe give it to Herbaceous, even though it's a really small game. And then Legend of the Fate Rings card game of I've had a soft spot for because I'm literally the only person that plays the CCG. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe the only person who will vote for it. Yeah. So I'll I'll give my vote to to the card game and then co op game I guess also probably might end up going um, to Codenames Duet but also there's a very and strong this is a really competitive category uh, category which obviously Gloomhaven even though they win game of the year they'll probably still give it to Gloomhaven just based on popularity yep 
And obviously Pandemic Legacy Season 2 was huge and could take it, but I, I just, it's going to be, it's going to be, <laughs> uh, expansions, uh, who cares? Scythe the Wind Gambit. They, they they literally just gave them boats and people just went I insane. It, I hope it does not win. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I like it. I still think it's a good addition to the game. But yeah, I don't even think it's an expansion. It's like here's here's four more pieces. Yeah, or five, I guess. There's five races. Family game. I would say Queen Domino. Queen Domino is a great hot, game. hot, so hot right now. Innovation, I think, also has to go to Gloomhaven. I mean, I look at this list and I know maybe two of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a, the problem or the tough thing about the in, innovative category is that it's a lot of games yeah. that are kind of wacky or haven't heard of. Yeah, but I remember when uh, Captain Sonar won and it's like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Right, because it took a functionality and it totally changed it. You could say that Gloomhaven isn't actually all that in, innovative yeah. I mean, in that it's just... games very similar to Gloomhaven, like yeah. Descent and Imperial, Star Wars Imperial Assault, but Gloomhaven exactly. is very it's not even uh, uh, a more advanced version of those games it is very different you know it's totally a leap forward yeah and there's been there's been a lot of attempts at making a rpg board game so i wouldn't say that gloomhaven is innovative in its concept but the gameplay is right. where it's innovative yeah. and also uh just the sort of level of quality and 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 work that they put into the characters makes it innovative in the fact that uh, they're so different from each other. Right, for sure. I mean, for role-playing fans out there, Gloomhaven is great because they provide you with so much really interesting lore. All right, here's a category that Gloomhaven can't win. The party game. I have can't literally it. played none of these games. I have played Spyfall. I did not know that there was a Spyfall 2. Oh, I've actually played Spyfall 2. Yeah. It's pretty good. Okay, so we'll vote for Spyfall 2 as the only <laughs> yeah. game we've played, and I think we're out of time, so we're not going to vote for any additional games, but thank you for listening. And uh, as always, uh, I'm Joel. And I'm Jack, your co-host. Oh, no, Jack's back! Oh, is he going to be really mad when he finds out we recorded this show without him? No, he told me to, I swear. I have the consent of the original host. Thanks for listening. local business, event, or initiative that you would like to promote, CFRU can help you out. 
Free public service announcements are available to all not-for-profit events and organizations, while for-profits have the option to choose from an ad package that is competitively priced to give you the highest quality ad at the best deals available. A staff member will guide you through the entire process and ensure that you are pleased with the final result before it is put on air. If you are interested in having an ad or PSA run on our station, please contact outreach at cfru.ca for more information.